Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Bavia Gore. She is an Akashic visionary, the founder and owner of Kindred Souls Academy, and a soulful empowerment and transformation life coach. Welcome, Bavia. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you doing today? Hi, Brad. I'm good, and it's so good to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a brand new week, so I'm super excited. So many new things we can do. We can create so much. So thank you so very much. I love your energy. I love your show. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you. The honor and the pleasure is all mine, Bavia. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. I'm so excited to jump in and share all of the things, Bavia, the beautiful light you put out into the world through the work you're doing. So with that being said, let us jump right in. Now, there are a few other hats that you wear. We don't need to get into those. We'll talk about those as we go through the interview. But that is a hell of a lot of hats you wear, Bavia. And of course, you don't wear them all at the same time. But I'm curious, how important is prioritization and organization to you in order to stay on top of things? I think (laughs) that is on top of the list. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to say one thing, that is something where uh, my biggest challenge was prioritizing everything and making it work because uh, sometimes things can get overwhelming. So I like to do a week ahead of time. I like to put things in my calendar and I know everybody's very advanced now, but I still have my little thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like to see it in black and white because it kind of keeps me accountable. But whatever I put in there, it's not set in stone because life happens, things come up. So you just have to shift and mold according to whatever is needed. But I do keep a couple of days that are set aside for my coaching clients. And then I have weekends. I like to do my workshops. So that kind of helps me. Then Tuesdays are my days for astrology. So this way I kind of divide. (laughs) You got it all planned out. No, divide and try to conquer. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that you mentioned the fact that everything is in your calendar is not set in stone because you're right. Life happens. Shit comes up and there's the unpreventable things that happen. So it's good to be able to know that and that you mentioned that so that people can be aware that it's okay and you can shift and move and adjust as you need to. I think it's very important to let people know that. Sweetheart, life is all about adapting. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Very true. Very true. So I would love to know then, you obviously, you're very focused on having these things planned out to a certain degree. So the importance of routine and regiment. What does your morning routine look like? Okay. So my morning starts with a lot of love. And I'm Uh, saying that because my pets, they sleep with me. (laughs) (laughs) So I get my dose of love in the morning, my cat purring, my dog's licking. So I get lots (laughs) of kisses. (laughs) So kisses and purrs, that's how my day begins. And then I let them out. So they are like roaming around doing their thing. And then I start my, what you would call the normal (laughs) routine for entrepreneurs or everyone. I like to meditate, but I don't have a set one hour or something like that put aside in the morning. If I get to meditate, even if it is for 15 minutes, that's good for me because I do believe in uh, quality instead of quantity. Uh And then I begin my day with 10 I am statements. So would you like me to say? Yeah, sure. Sure. A couple. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, and I later on, maybe I'll share with you a little bit about my story, Uh but when I start my day, I want to start it in a very positive and attitude of gratitude kind of setting. 
So mm-hmm. gratitude is the first one. So when I open my eyes and sorry, I have to retrace a little bit. That's okay. This is a ritual that I learned back home. I am originally from India. Before I start my day or open my eyes, I actually like to, so I do like a namaste and I put my hand across my face. So when I open my eyes, the first thing I see is my palm or my hands. And that to me, and this is what I learned from my grandmother and my mother who told me this, is when you are starting with this, so first and foremost, very grateful for being here for life. And then when we look on our hands or palms like this, you are sending all that gratitude into your hands as well. So hand is symbolic for doing. So everything that you are doing, everything you are creating, it is coming from that high vibration of gratitude. So that's how I start. Then I get all loved up. (laughs) (laughs) And then the 10 I am statements that I do, and they are very simple. And everyone who struggles with self-doubt or imposter syndrome, I would suggest this highly to them because it really works. So I start with, I'm gorgeous. I'm beautiful. I'm kick ass. <laughs> I love that. I'm abundant. So, you know, 10 statements that resonate most with you, start your day like that. And I know I live that truth. So the energy amps up immediately. I have a yeah. bounce in my step <laughs> and I'm dancing. So that's how my morning begins. And, and normally my family is very sick and tired of me, though. I have to share this because <laughs> normally everyone is very groggy in the morning. They want their coffee. They want their tea. And Bobby is bouncing off the walls, <laughs> dancing, singing, happy. <laughs> I don't need I, love it. I don't even drink coffee or tea in the mornings. I don't need it. I'm already high on life. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Bavia, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? I know this might sound cliched, but service, really. All my life, whatever I have done, even before I started doing this, I worked in the service industry. And at that time, I didn't understand how when you are growing up, people ask you, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? I didn't have any single profession. I always said, I want to help people. But there's no profession helping profession. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I come from India. So there's a lot of pressure on become a doctor, become an engineer, become a lawyer. So people used to think that she's so weak. She doesn't know what she wants in life. God knows what she'll do with her life. (laughs) That is what inspires me. That is what motivates me. That is what keeps me going. Service, support, because I went through some tough challenges in life and I felt very lonely and Mm -hmm. I know how it can feel like, but none of us is alone. So, you know, I'm just, I'm very grateful to be here to serve. I love that. Well, I think that's part of why we're all here, honestly, is to be in and of service to others, to help each other, to support each other, to cheerlead and lift each other up. That's a big part of why we're all here on this planet. So I love that, Bavia. I want to jump into your coaching journey. Now, I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all, coaches have been through their own personal struggles, journeys before making the leap into coaching. And I mean, of course, we're human beings. We've all had our own shit to deal with and go through in our own journeys. Mm -hmm. But what I've found, though, is that throughout most of the women that I talk to who are now coaches, it was their personal struggle or their personal journey that were the catalyst that sent them into the profession of of becoming a coach. Can you share a little bit about your own personal journey and struggles that you were on before making the leap into coaching? Absolutely. And thank you so much for allowing me to share that. Yeah. So I know, and I love that all of this is coming out in the open. So I had some challenges since childhood. I was sexually abused and the abuse started when I was in grade two. So I think that would be around six, seven years of age. And that continued up until I was in university, which is when the for the first time I was able to actually speak up. Nobody knew what wow. was going on. I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought I was inviting that kind of behavior towards me. So I was always in a shell. And you know how teenagers, they like to be seen. I always wanted to disappear. I didn't want people to notice me. I didn't want people to pay any attention to me because somehow that fear that now something is coming and I didn't know how to deal with all of that. I am actually turning 54 end of this month. So 31st of July, I'm turning 54. So I'm a little ancient. (laughs) 
No, you're not. That's ridiculous. So in those times, there was no internet. We didn't have a TV, none of that. So there was no exposure. It was a very protected life that we all led. At least in India, it was very conservative. So very protected life. And I couldn't even ask anyone. I remember once I asked my cousin, because one of my maternal aunts, she gave birth to a daughter. So I asked my older cousin, where did she come from? (laughs) Now, that was a very innocent question. I was really small, but I just couldn't understand why my mom was paying so much attention to that little girl (laughs) instead of it didn't, you know, make sense. It didn't click. So my cousin told my mom that I was asking this question and I was punished. Wow. And I don't know what it is called, but I was made to sit with my hands. So you squat on the floor and you put your hand from underneath your legs and then you have to hold your ear. That was the punishment. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So I was made to sit like that for an hour. So obviously, I knew that it was something wrong. I did something wrong. I asked a wrong wrong question because here I was getting punished for it. So there was no one I could talk to. And after that, this sexual abuse started. So I really thought something was wrong with me. This is what my teenage years were like. And then I went to university. I went to a girl's school and a girl's college. So that was all good. But I was kind of very scared of men and boys, honestly speaking. Fast forward, then I got married and the abuse started again after marriage. Now, this was a different kind of abuse. It was emotional abuse. It was physical abuse. So abuse was a pattern in my life. And I could not understand because I was doing everything I was told to do. I was trying to mold myself to please others, but that was not taking me anywhere. After this, what actually broke the ice was, I remember that incident, When I was being beaten up, and I'm saying beaten up because I'm really talking about slaps and cakes and all of that. And I sat there numb because I didn't know it was happening to me, just didn't sink in. And my four-year-old was trying to protect me. Wow. And with her body, she was trying to shield my body so my ex-husband couldn't reach me. And then when he saw this, he picked up the little one who was only two and a half at that time. And he walked out saying that now I'll see how you won't come begging after me. So this happened and my older one, she kept calling out to the younger one saying, don't go, stay here. We'll go get some sweets and all. They were children, like they love chocolates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But my ex walked out and then my daughter just hugged me tight and she said, don't worry, mama, I'll take care of you. Oh my gosh. It was then that suddenly... Something inside me snapped. And in that moment, I decided that was enough. No more. Because I didn't want my daughters growing up thinking this was acceptable. The rest is history. It was a divorce by mutual consent. Still, it took very long because he refused to give me divorce. And he said, I remember this. He said, if you cannot be mine, I'll make sure you don't belong to anyone else. So, Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I felt more like a thing (laughs) than a human being. So that was it. And it took two years for the divorce to come through. In the middle of it, a lot happened because now I didn't have any money because I was the one who was earning. I was the one running the household. I was the one who was doing everything. I was the one putting gas in his car. But I didn't realize any of that because I so wanted to make that marriage work. So it was then I came to U.S. And before I moved to Canada, I went to U.S. actually. I went to U.S., And I mean, this is common knowledge. People can work on cash in New York. I did. I didn't have any money. I had borrowed $500 from my parents for survival. And I wanted to try it out. Because that's what I remember. I told them it's a gamble, but please take a chance on me because nothing was working out in India. My ex's family was very well connected. Wherever I was working, they knew somebody, the CEO or the director or something, and things were done in such a way to make my life difficult because I was leaving my kids in a daycare. So work was given to me at 5.36 in the evening when everybody's going home. And I was like, you have to put the report first thing in the morning. And it was becoming very difficult. So that's when I thought there's nothing here for me. So let me try. And I took a leap of faith. So that's when I went to New York and I went back with 4,000 US dollars. (laughs) (laughs) I used that money to hire a lawyer. I used money from that to put for under the girls' names. I have two Mm -hmm. lawyers. 
under their names as a fixed deposit because that was a condition that the judge had put. And then once the FDs were in place, the judge granted divorce. And I call it a sign. And I'm so grateful. March 8th, International Women's Day has such a deep meaning for me because that is the day I was granted my freedom. That is so powerful. You just can't make this shit up. That's that's really powerful. Yeah. And then I came to Canada after that. So once the divorce was done, I came to Canada and I left both my daughters with my parents because mm-hmm. I wanted to explore what was out there. So I came as a tourist. Then I got study visa. I studied for two years, got five points for that. It was all for the points. <laughs> And then I was able to bring my daughters here in, I think they came here in 2005. Mm. So we were separated for a few years. That must have been really tough. Yeah. Oh my God. Don't even get me started. When people ask me this, how did you do it? Oh, well, let me be honest. I cried myself to sleep every night because I had my little girls. (laughs) were not here with me. And I used to pray and I was like, please, God, I don't know what I've done, but please forgive me. (laughs) (laughs) No, but my, well, my girls are all grown up now. So, and they are beautiful human beings. So I feel like my life is complete. Yeah. As a single parent, I see people struggling. I see people going through, don't know what to do. And some people decide to go back to their country, but no, if we stick it out, it's all good. It's all good. Beautiful. How have these experiences helped shape the Bhavya you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? I can say one thing. Normally, when the challenges are there, we give up hope because it feels like the challenges are there to break us. I feel with persistence, if we keep on keeping on, it's actually the challenges are not breaking us. They are breaking us open. I didn't even know that I had that kind of strength. And it was already there. It was not put in by someone or it suddenly didn't spring up from nothing when I was going through these challenges. I was always strong, but somehow I did not even see it because I was trying to mold myself to fit into other people's labels. So where I stand today, I'm standing in my power. And that's where the confidence comes from. And that's where the empathy comes from. That's where the love comes from. It took me, I would say, four and a half, five years. But I am at a beautiful place where I'm so grateful for everyone who played a role in my life. Forgiveness comes very easy when we are able to see how we have grown through that. And if we don't look at that, then we are stuck there. And then there is that revenge and anger and all of those lower vibrations that keep coming up. But when we are able to see who we have become, that glory that comes knowing that, oh my God, I survived that. And that was beautiful. And now earlier on, think about this, that I was the same person who was getting beat up. But now, and we haven't met in person, but if we meet in person, you will see, I'm a short person. I'm only five two. (laughs) (laughs) But when I'm standing there, my energy talks. You're six feet tall. <laughs> you know, oh, with your I energy. thought I was eight feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Eight. All right. We'll go eight. I love that. I love that, Bavia. Thank you very much for sharing that. That is so powerful. You're right. When we stand in our power, and forgiveness is such a huge piece of this, because if you hold on to that anger, that resentment, it only damages you. Absolutely. It stops you from achieving and stepping into who you are, who you truly are. So thank you for sharing that. What would you say then was your biggest or most valuable lesson or takeaway from those experiences? The most valuable lesson for me was I am who I am. I always was. I always will be. Beautiful. And I don't need to become someone else to fit into someone's narrative. So beautiful and so powerful and so true. What is it then that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else, Bavia? I bring a lot of heart to it. Well, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> <Yes>. many do. <laughs> I'm sure many do. So here's, this is what I do and this is what I bring to the table. What I talk about, what I share, it's not learned from any books, any certification courses, or any audios 
that I've heard or listened to. This comes from real life experience. I have been in the pits and I remember when I was at my lowest in life, my best friend, she said, don't worry about it. You're already in the pits. You cannot go any lower. So from here, you only have to come up. So <laughs> that was mm-hmm. like, if I, when I'm thinking about it, it's a big lifeline for someone when you're going through all that shit. When I meet someone, so when I'm mentoring or coaching someone, I not only bring that wisdom that I have gained through life experiences, I also believe in that because I'm a survivor and not only a survivor, I'm a thriver. So I do energy healing work. I do Akashic Records. So all of that energy stuff is there. But if we cannot ground it because we are here to live our life, which is a very practical, Uh very physical dimensional reality that we have to live. If we cannot ground it, it is useless because then it is just a dream or the airy fairy talk. And how do you put it into practical mode? So what I bring is, and I do a lot of things. So you, thank you for introducing me as an Akashic visionary, but I also do astrology. I do numerology. And these are some of the sciences that I was interested in as a child. So I have been dabbling in it till the time I was old enough to take courses and learn more. But I do all of that. I have done feng shui. So talk about how to uh, make sure the energy is working well in your workspace and home space. And besides that, sound therapy, I work with crystals. So I've done, don't want to put labels on it, but these are some things around on my path, on my journey. When I was seeking, when I was searching, I have traveled a lot. Literally, I have done workshops all over the world. And I love all of that because those interactions teach us so much. All of this opens our mind, opens us. It makes us more limitless. So when I work with people, I not only bring this wisdom, but I'm also able to give practical tools to people to ground that. And when it comes to goal setting and all of that, yes, I do energy work and I can take you on these experiential journeys where you'll be like, I don't want to come back. But (laughs) on the other hand, it has to be grounded. I want to see results as well. So I'm able to blend both energetics as well as the materialistic aspect of it perfectly so we can live our lives. We can step into the life purpose that we have chosen. For example, you'll see healers who will be like, money is a very big question mark because they don't know how to accept that, what to do with that energy. Money is just an energy. The good or the bad attributes are given to it based on how and what we are using that resource for. We can do so much with money. Money is just an energy, nothing else. But when we start praying money, When we put money on a pedestal, that is when everything starts becoming a little hazy. So in a nutshell, after seeing all of this, (laughs) (laughs) I blend both perfectly based on what one needs. I work one-on-one. So I don't, as of now, I don't do group coaching. It is customized to what the person needs. And I include the planetary alignments and all whatnot and Akashic records and all of that good stuff in the mix. So it's the perfect cocktail. (laughs) Perfect blend. (laughs) How has your coaching style evolved since you first started to where you are now? When I started, it was more based in the energetics. And Akashic Records are very clearing, cleansing, healing because the awareness comes in. But I found that even after the awareness comes in, people were going back to the old habits and the old molds. It's not easy to break that mold that you have been living in for the majority of your life. So my coaching evolved in the sense that I brought in the practical mix later on. Earlier, it was mostly sessions, intuitive healing sessions, which are very powerful because I channel multidimensional beings and I'm doing that. I tell people, I don't want to know anything. I don't want to know what's going on in your life because I want to be at that place where my ego will not start interfering. And I'm literally being a pure channel and working on their energy. I've had some amazing experiences because I work with people from all over the world. I have not met them, complete strangers. And when I get any skeptics, I love how I'm shown things and then I share with them and they are amazed because they know there's no camera and I cannot see where they're sitting and what is around them. It's absolutely, it's beautiful and powerful. So earlier it was only one side. 
Yeah. But now it's a blend. That is how it yeah. has progressed. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work you do as a coach, Bavia? I don't know if anybody else will be able to see this, but you tell me. You see me. Am I beaming or not? Just... <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> you are. It's You're radiating a beautiful energy. Thank you. I love when I see transformations, when I see people start vibrating. And Brad, I have some amazing clients. I'm talking about in one year, the progress from I don't want to get out of bed. I don't know what to do. I don't want to take a shower. My husband has gone to work, so I don't know how. Maybe I'll watch some TV from that too. I got total purchase orders of 700,000. I'm talking about within a year. Wow. <laughs> Think about it. If you don't even consider the money aspect of it, look at the confidence. Now this That's person huge. who didn't know what to say, don't want to talk to people, don't want to take a shower, don't want to get out of bed, like closer to depression if you look at it. At that place where they are the ones who are reaching out to people, they're getting orders and already 700,000, like when something like this happens, Oh my God, I celebrate. So it was so beautiful because there's this client of mine. She was trying to reach me on WhatsApp and I wasn't on call. So I didn't take her call. So later on when I called, she said, I was just calling you because I wanted to share this amazing news that, and this was in April. She says, it's April and I already have so many orders that now the total is 700,000. I wanted to share with you. And then she said something that just warmed my heart. It melted my heart. She said, I wanted to share it with you because it's as much of a victory for you as it is for me. That is really powerful. That was beautiful. So I went and I got a coffee frappuccino to celebrate. And I think celebrating with you. Beautiful. I love it. Celebrating the wins. The wins are yours too, because you're helping guide them along that way. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that story. Bhavya, you being trained in multiple areas and other modalities, can you speak a bit about that and how you incorporate those into your work when you work with your clients? So I think I mentioned this. I do intuitive energy mm -hmm. healing sessions. And when I'm doing that, I'm literally... Brad, you have to experience that uh, one of the sessions. <laughs> I do. I would love yeah. to. So I literally am channeling these multidimensional beings. And it's not like I only work with a certain team. For everyone, it is different, whoever steps forward. So I'm literally inviting the client's team. So team as in their guides and all the spiritual. All their spiritual. Yeah. yeah. So I invite them and at times even their ancestors and all. And I'm literally, and when I'm doing this session, now I don't do any in-person sessions, but the people I've done in-person sessions for can vouch for it. I am literally with my eyes closed. I'm being guided and that is where I move. And even when I'm doing it now long distance, people feel I'm in the room. They feel I touched somewhere where obviously they're in a different part of the world. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in my space. They're in their space. So I, whenever there is a lot of trauma that is coming in and there are multidimensional layers. So I like to incorporate that because we can try with the practical tools, but when there is something so set and it is so deep, it is not possible to uproot it completely from the cell memory. So I invite the beings to work with me like that. And when I do coaching and mentorship, I ask for the details of the person before we start. So this is the first session where they send me their full name because I do numerology, mm -hmm. the time and all when they were born. So I can do their astral chart. I take care of that. And then also I work with crystals. So that crystal energy and the beauty of it is there used to be a time where you need the crystal in your hand, the physical crystal. I don't need that because I invite in the essence of that crystal. So wherever the person is and everything is happening beautifully. Besides that, so, and I do Akashic Records. That's the most beautiful mm -hmm. part of everything. Because after, throughout my journey, I have to share this, Brad. I was highly intuitive as a child. And I did not choose mediumship for a reason because I didn't want to be working with departed souls. And that is not my life purpose here. But as a child, that is what I used to do. So then I shut down that side of me. And then when I went through my own shit in life, I got married. And when I, when I went through <laughs> all of that, <laughs> Reiki actually opened everything up for me in a big way. 
I have been a Reiki master teacher for almost three decades now, and I lived by the five principles of Reiki. And I think that also helped. That is where the attitude of gratitude came in. And once all of that opened up, my journey sped up like anything. I've traveled a lot and everywhere I went, it felt like I regained or integrated a part of my soul. I have done meditation in the king's chamber in Egypt. I've been lying down in the sarcophagus and I mean, amazing experiences. I have connected with the land in Australia and the wisdom that comes with the elders from the elders done that. And obviously I'm from India. So all the Himalayas and all my heart lies. I have traveled a lot and everywhere I have gone, it's like I brought back a piece of me. And everything put together brought me where I am. I use everything I have in my kitty to serve people. So if you ask me what one thing I use, it'll be hard for me to say. Yeah, you use the blend. Yes. And because what started, it is not that anymore. We are in transformational times. Everything has shifted so much. The downloads I get now, it's at that place where I don't even have to think about it. I start doing automatic writing. So it has been a beautiful progression and I really am so grateful for it. And one thing that comes with all of this is responsibility. So I try my best and I'm saying try my best because I am working like that. But if somebody says, maybe you can try a little bit more. I work with integrity. I do not access somebody's information. See, because I see a person and I start getting information, but I do not access anybody's information or anything without their permission. So right now I'm here sitting in front of you. I'm completely Mm -hmm. blank. I'm not reading you at all. And I'm able to switch on and off that thing because I think almost three decades. (laughs) A lot of practice. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know if I answered your question, but there's so much coming and I'm excited. So I'm just going. (laughs) So tell me to shut up. As mentioned, Bhavya, you're the owner and founder of Kindred Souls Academy. Can you tell us about Kindred Souls, what it's all about, when it was founded, and what was the inspiration behind starting it? Yes. So I was in corporate job. I come from hospitality industry and all of this. Service. There you go. Yes. Service. (laughs) And all of this I was doing on the side and I was not charging people for it. So that was my way of serving without attaching money to it. I worked downtown Toronto. So I remember I Mm -hmm. took the TTC and I was on the bus and suddenly this Kindred Souls Academy name came to me. Didn't make any sense. I was talking to myself, sitting on the bus, and this is a York Region Transit bus. (laughs) (laughs) So it doesn't make any sense. And I work very closely with Archangel Michael. And again, there's a disclaimer, because I was born a Hindu, and I know in India, people questioned at that time, what do you mean you work with angels? Are you a Christian? It has nothing to do with religion. So... That's my little disclaimer. Get that out of the way. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So I was sitting and this is what was shown to me. I said, I've never seen it like that. What do you mean Z and S? Like kindred souls has to be S-O-U-L-S. So I was taking out the S and he was putting the Z back into it, which did not make any sense at that time. I came home. I searched on the, I had a desktop at that time. I Mm -hmm. didn't have a laptop. Uh, I searched on the internet and Kindred Souls without the Z was already taken. It was some band or some some, music band or something. So I was shown that this is what is. So that's when I started looking for a website, if that name is available. The whole purpose, so Kindred Souls Academy has a beautiful deva or deity because our businesses also have an identity. And it was something so beautiful. So from where Archangel Michael showed me all of this, but the deity for Kindred Souls Academy is Vesta. What is, seriously, guys, I didn't know who Vesta was. (laughs) 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 So the company was formed in 2010. And before that, I was literally on the weekends, I used to do sessions for people and after work. So I used to come home around seven in the evening and then I used to get calls. So my mom was a big one. She was like, oh, can you please help this auntie? She needs some help. This is what is going Mm -hmm. on. I'm like, okay. So at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, because this charges me up. This energy feeds me. It is 
Brad, when I do the workshops, I'm notorious for it because the workshop would be like three hour and I'm going on and on. And initially <laughs> people are like, oh, thank you so much for you are giving so much of your time. And then when it happens two, three times, then they start saying, Bhavya, uh, just want to let you know, I have an appointment. So if we could please <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> So that is the story behind Kindred Souls. And 2010, that was it. And it has only grown. And 2013 is when I quit the job and just jumped all four because I have pets. So all four. Full time. Yeah. Full force. Yep. Yes. Seeing as empowerment is an integral part of the work you do as a coach. What is your definition of soulful empowerment? To me, empowerment is when I'm able to be myself bring in autonomy and be limitless because I have accepted all parts of me. I am not projecting what I need onto others. I'm able to inculcate everything that I have to stand in my power and in my true authentic light, serve everyone who is coming, who is interacting with me in any way possible. It's not necessarily people who are coming to uh, join a course or coming for mentoring. It is every interaction that I'm doing. I'm bringing my heart and soul to it. That to me is soulful empowerment. And when I'm able to do that, it starts reflecting in everything around me, in my business, in my interactions, in the relationships that are built. I'm a big one for building relationships. So when I bring heart and soul to that, the universe ah, magnifies it and fills not only my life with it, but everyone else's life that I touch. So that is soulful empowerment to me. Magical and beautiful. Obviously, when we speak about empowerment, you can't not talk about self-love. It's going to automatically be brought into the conversation. So in your opinion, what's the difference between self-love and self-care? Well, honey, if you love yourself, you're going to take care of yourself. It's as simple as that. (laughs) Beautiful. I love it. Simple to the point. (laughs) I've had quite a few conversations as of late around the topic of self-love and the importance of it and the fact that everything, absolutely everything starts with the foundation of self. We are so often told, though, that and having been conditioned to believe that loving ourselves is selfish. So with all that being said, what are a couple of tips or takeaways that listeners can implement immediately to start their journey into self-love? So what we do is we are always projecting onto others. We want somebody else to love us. We look for that person who can complete us. But what we are seeking actually is the part of us that we have put in the shadow. We have not been able to accept because of our conditioning, our upbringing. We have been taught, if you think about yourself, that is selfish, that is not good. You should serve others, do things for others. And what happened in that is initially, we are following that path that is being shown to us, but somewhere we feel so lost because we don't have an identity of our own. We try to fit into everything that is being given to us. So a good tip for this would be, first and foremost, be very honest with yourself. None of us is perfect. As I like to say, if I was perfect, I wouldn't be sitting here having this human experience. I would have been done and gone back in spirit or soul. Until the time I'm alive, till then, I have work to do, honey. So it is absolutely fine. Perfection is overrated. So I know when I do something and then I'm like, oh, why did I do that? I'm the first one. And everybody who knows me, they know this. I go and apologize. I'm so sorry. I don't know where that came from. And it was misplaced. I apologize. I'm so very sorry. I love you so much. Immediately. So that hurt is not built. And we don't have a right to disrespect anyone. Everyone is doing their best to the best of their knowledge and capability. So when we accept all of us, the good, the bad, the ugly, Mm -hmm. all of it, when we accept that, nobody else can call us out on our shit because we do that ourselves. There you go. Love it. That's empowering. <laughs> yes, definitely. Bavia, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I'll be honest with you, Brad. I think I have a big compassionate heart and that is the first one. And yep. from there, it's being authentic, putting myself out there. And I'm one of those, I give people second chances, third chances also, because I don't give up on people easily. And there's a reason for it. Our human psyche is so very complicated. 
At times, we don't even know why we are doing what we are doing. There is that confusion. And that comes from, again, there are so many variables to that. I won't get into the details, but our conditioning, our experiences, there's so much that goes into making us who we are. And everyone, I do believe that there is good in everyone. For some, it may take a long time to find that good because they have been slapped around by life maybe a little bit too much. And then some may be stuck in some place, not able to forgive, not able to move on. So there are so many variables in this. But it's also, I think, because of the, the compassionate heart, I think I'm able to relate to people easily. And I can actually put myself in their shoes and see and feel what they are going through. And everyone is just looking to be seen, to be heard, to belong. That once relatability is important. Yes. And once they feel that they are valued, that's a big one for them. Because for some, there's nobody else to do that. So just being seen, heard, and belonging, that gives them that motivation and push to carry on. Because life is not easy. No. And to be able to carry on. I think these are little tools that we all need. So that is my superpower. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of success, Bhavya, what does that word mean to you? How do you define the word success? To me, success is not limited to money. I'm going to say that upfront. To me, success is when I'm able to be myself and do what I'm here to do without restrictions and able to create a legacy where people can live their truth, be who they are, and be fearlessly and unapologetically them. That is, to me, success. Because if you're able to do that, then money and everything will come, will flow in with ease. (laughs) Love it. Love, love, love that. What is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after you learned it? I'm enough. I'm powerful. And I'm gorgeous. (laughs) Those I am statements. I love it. Yes. Because before that trying to please everyone. You feel you're not enough because you're depending on others to give you what you want to survive. And when I was in that mode, I was living through life. Don't even know who I was at that time. Now that I think about it, it was, it seems like a different lifetime altogether. I was overworked. There was no self-care. Obviously my day used to start at four in the morning, used to end at 10 at night. And I was a mom, a wife, a daughter, the chef, the cleaner. <laughs> yeah, all of it. The worker at in the organization I was working, I was all of it. I didn't have time to even consider who I really was, why I was doing all of this. My why was so clouded. But then once I realized, and it had to, <laughs> it took me uh, some abuse to get to that point. But once my eyes opened, once the clouds parted, the beautiful sun that is shining bright, I was able to shine radiantly like the sun. And when there is light, there is no place for darkness. This is who I became after that. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Love. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My heart. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Live. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be? Kindness and compassion. What is your favorite self-care practice? The I am statements. (laughs) (laughs) What is your personal motto? Live life king size. And I'm saying king size, not queen size, because, well, I am the monarch of my life. (laughs) So I'm the sovereign of my life. So that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Be courageous. Take a leap of faith. Don't let fear stop you. The fear is based on what you have experienced. It has nothing to do with what you're about to do. Your mind can only think in the past and the future projections. The present moment is always blank and it is waiting for you to write on it. So have courage, go for it. If you fall flat, that's okay. Maybe a couple of times falling flat will tell you how to do things differently, but you definitely will fly. Love it. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? I'm a kick-ass. I didn't know that. <laughs> Even to last, to last I'm a kick-ass year. woman. I didn't know that. And for this one, can I, there's a reason why I'm saying this. Yeah. 
So last year, I did three Blue Talk events. And this is something I surprised myself because I was talking to Corey, who is the mm-hmm. owner or organizer. Yep. And he mentioned a couple of places which I didn't know about. I didn't know that they were doing it outside of Canada. So I approached him. I said, Corey, I was really interested in these universities. So they were doing one in Harvard. They were doing one in, what's the name in New York? Columbia. Columbia. Yes. Thank you so much. I love you, Brad. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So Columbia was coming up and I heard that and I'm like, I sent a message to him. I said, oh, I didn't know. I I was interested in Columbia. He said, oh, this was booked way before the pandemic. So I said, I would be interested. So he responded back. He said, it's actually only a week out. So maybe it is a little bit too soon. And at that time, I was like, ah, talk in front of people one week. And you know what? I'll do it. He said, are you sure? I said, yes. I went the next week. I gave a talk and everybody there was surprised because they were like, are you sure this is the first time you're doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Bold and courageous. I love it. Beautiful. So if I would have listened to my thoughts, I'm like, oh my God, you'll make a fool of yourself. What will you do? Then I would not have even. So before... The fear comes up, I like to take action. (laughs) Very wise and sage advice. I love it. Bhavya, what is your why? Oh, honey, I'm sure uh, your listeners are fed up of my my (laughs) now. No. It's It's an infectious, beautiful vibe. I love it. (laughs) It's service. It's seeing those transformations help people blossom, people shining radiantly. And I truly believe coming from nowhere, if I can do it, anybody can do it. I really want all of us to stand in our light, shine radiantly and light up this world. That's what we are here to do. So I love it. Beautiful. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Oh my God, there's so many I want to have a conversation with. (laughs) Can I use two instead of one? And I'm being nice. I have a whole list, but. (laughs) (laughs) So one would be Amelia Earhart and the other one would be Eleanor Roosevelt. And there's a reason behind it. As a woman, I know. And in the last five decades of my life, I have seen how women have come forward how they have been supported. So I would love to have a chat with them. So much courage they had. They were pioneers in so many things. And right now we're in times where, you know, some of the rights are being taken away from women. So I would, and I'm getting goosebumps and I, as I'm sharing this with you. Now it's time for us to awaken. Why are we going back in time? I would love to pick their brain as to what it took, how courageous they were being pioneers. Like one was, imagine flying solo. I used to be a flight attendant. So so believe me, flying, I, I love to, because for me, it's not only flying, it's also the symbolic meaning of it. And there are so many people who have come before us and they have done these amazing things that have given the women of now that platform where they can build themselves up from. They're no longer in shadows. Their voices are being heard. And now when all this is going on and those voices are being shut down, I think this is a perfect time. We have to call them and ask them what's going on. Please advise. (laughs) (laughs) If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, Bhavya, what would that piece of advice be? Oh my God, Brad. I would tell her, sweetheart, you're gorgeous. Don't hold back. Don't worry. Don't care about what people are saying, what people are doing. It's not you. It's them. Because I live like that. This is a big thing when you just want to disappear. You want to be invisible. And I was very attractive. So I'm sharing all this you with you. You are me. very attractive, not you were very attractive. Now, even the younger self. But imagine mm. to be living in that fear and feeling like I don't want to be seen. So I would tell her that stand tall. Because I remember even my body language. I used to talk like I, my shoulders because I was trying to hide. And everything that goes in with posture and all, it was like that. So the minute I used to see people, then I was like, like I'm in my Shrink. own way, I'm shrinking and I'm going in my mm-hmm. shell. Didn't need to do that. So you know what, honey? If I could redo, that is how I would do it. Stand in my power, no matter what. Step into that eight foot bavia. Yeah. <laughs> 
Lastly, Bavia, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I would say you're here for a reason. Your being here is not a coincidence. You're not a mistake. You bring unique gifts with you and they are needed. So don't shrink. Don't hide. Step out of your comfort zone. Stand tall. Be who you are because that is who you're meant to be. And there is a reason behind it. You and only you can fit into that jigsaw puzzle slot that is needed to make this picture complete. You are needed. You are loved. You are supported. You may not see it in the people around you. Besides these people, there are many beings who are cheering you on. You are beautiful. You are powerful. So stand up tall and be your authentic self. You are so loved. Beautiful. Bavia, thank you so much for being here with me today and sharing a little bit about your story, your journey, and the beautiful light that you put out into the world through the work you're doing. You are an incredibly radiant and beautiful soul. I love your energy. Just, It has been such an absolute pleasure having this time to sit down and speak with you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you and I'm grateful to be connected to you, to be able to call you a friend and to also have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you for all that you do and all that you are. Thank you so much, Brad. I really would like to take a moment to say thank you for this platform. Thank you for empowering women. Thank you for allowing these stories to be heard. They matter so much. So you may be doing this thinking that, ah, this is what I'm doing. No, honey, you are making a huge impact and I honor you for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I received that. Thank you for that reflection, Bavia. Thank you so much, Bavia. I appreciate you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Bavia Gore. She is an Akashic visionary, the founder and owner of Kindred Souls Academy, and a soulful empowerment and transformation life coach. Thank you so much, Bavia. I hope you have a beautiful rest of the day. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Much love, Bavia. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.